a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. Oh boy, it's Friday night, the 25th of August already. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good. Friday. I've got a I've got a remote broadcast to do for the Twister Radio out here tomorrow. Um, looking forward to that. It's it's going to be a nice weekend. Going to be fun. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm going to the Friendly Festival in Hay Springs, Nebraska. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this will be my first time there, and uh, but from everything I hear, it's it's a blast. They all, everybody has a good time. Everybody gets together. It's a small town uh, out in west uh, northwest Nebraska, and everybody, from what I understand, is just just has a great time. It's a thing for the whole family. It's uh, it's a good time for all. Yeah. Oh, great! So I'll be out great. there tomorrow. Is it cooling off from your 104 degrees of yesterday? Yeah, uh, not just yesterday, but the day before and the day before that, too. Ah, you were living in a sauna. It it felt like it because the humidity was up around 50 to 56%. And, you know, air temperature at 104. Terrible. I hadn't been that hot since I was that hot the last time. But yeah, it's it's cooled off today. It only got up to eighty. Oh, really? That's a big difference. Well, and tonight it's going to get down into the mid fifties, like fifty six. Oh my God! Everything will cool down then. Well, hopefully, you know. But we still have some warm days ahead, uh, probably into about the middle of September. Uh, and then it'll be fall uh, for for three days, and then it will be winter for six months. Oh well, that yeah. You know okay. that's that's the way it works up here. Um, and I'll tell you the the funniest fall story I have from living up in this part of Nebraska, and this goes back about eight years ago. We we lived in the town of Valentine then, and we had a red maple tree in the front yard. And it was a pretty good-sized tree. It wasn't huge, but, I mean, it was probably 25 feet tall, maybe. 
Okay. And it had a pretty good spread on the branches. And, of course, every fall, those maple leaves turn just fire engine red. They're gorgeous, right? And so one day I was out there admiring the leaves. It was a nice, crisp fall day. And I noticed one leaf fall off. And so I stood there watching it. And within 15 minutes, there wasn't a leaf left on the tree. Wow. Okay. I mean, it put a whole new meaning to the term fall. Because it, it, it's like every leaf made a jump for it all at once. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, it's, uh, it's getting to be that time of year. Of course, Nebraska football starts next Thursday night. I'll be tuning well. in for that. Okay. So, and then I'll regale uh, Diane and everybody with stories of football next Friday. And I will totally tune it out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be forced to listen because I'm going to do it on the show. No, I could sort of, um, you know, zone out, monitor the show, and just tune it out. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be like, uh, Diane, I'm done. Diane, hello, hello, Diane, come back. <laughs> Well, we got all that going. Now, listen, usually on a Friday night, it's kind of a free-for-all. It's like going downhill in a wagon without brakes. But tonight on the show, we're handling things a little bit differently because we had the big debate on Wednesday night, the first 2024 GOP debate. Uh, Diane and I watched every blooming minute of it. Yes, we did. Then, because we're gluttons for punishment, Yesterday, we went and watched it again. Yeah, just in, <laughs> case, just in case we missed anything, you know. Yes. Um, and so what we've done, we have put together two short pieces, which we'll have plenty of discussion after them, our reaction and our recap of the debate. Now, here's how we did this. Kind of interesting. We decided to do it. I had no idea what Diane was going to write. She had no idea what I was going to write. Okay, so we thought, okay, we're, we're just gonna we're just gonna put this out there. We're gonna get this down, publish it on our blogs, and we'll do it on the show Friday night. It's really interesting to me how closely our two recaps are. You know how closely matched they are. Yeah, they are more like companion pieces than yeah. separate pieces. You know, we, we both kind of arrive at, at very similar conclusions, but we take different paths to get there. Yes. So, Diane, let's start with yours uh, tonight. Uh, you've put it up on your blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, and anything but debate. Yes, I have. And let's start with the fact that this first of the Republican debates, a debate that is actually that. Wait, let me start again. I had a major pop out here. Okay, the first of the Republican debates, a a debate that in actuality was but a two candidate discourse is now one for the history books. And here I present my take on each candidate with what will be a revelation at the end, which I believe will garner both positive and negative reactions. First, let me start with Vivek 
Ramaswamy, the most annoying and obnoxious person on that stage. He is the 2004 reincarnation of Barack Obama circa 2008, I should say 2024. Why so? Because not only did he use the same introductory line about introducing himself to the public, as did Obama when first running for president, but Ramaswamy channeled Obama's pointing of fingers, his raising of hands, and snake oil salesman style voice to drown out all others by constantly interrupting the other candidates while they were speaking. Also, Ramaswamy is a bold-faced liar. How so? Remember earlier this week when he came out and said that Russia should be allowed to take over certain sections of Ukraine and that all aid to Israel should be cut off by 2026? I sure do. And yet on the stage, Ramaswamy tried to talk tough about Russia and did a complete 180 degree turn on Israel, now basically singing her praises, probably with his fingers crossed behind his back, again like Obama. And not so surprisingly was why was this man, who said he was the only one on the stage, not bought and paid for, not asked about his ties to the Soros family. The public needs to know who this man really is, not who he pretends to be. Simply, it's my opinion that Democrat in disguise Vivek Ramaswamy knows he cannot win the nomination, let alone the presidency, and is solely in the race to position himself as either Trump's VP or for a position in what still could be a second Trump administration. After all, Trump has alluded that for him, this debate was but an audition to be his in my words, second banana. Second, Governor Nikki Haley did a terrific job and probably was the overall winner in the debate. I admire and respect her expertise in foreign affairs. Remember, she was our UN ambassador under Trump. And the strength she showed in putting Ramaswamy in his place regarding his lack of any foreign policy experience was terrific. She was focused and direct in all her responses and would make a great VP choice for my candidate of choice, Ron DeSantis. Now, more on him in a bit. Why VP and not president? Because after the disaster that was presidential candidate Hillary Clinton and her disaster of Secretary of State, coupled with the current unmitigated disaster that is Kamala Harris, Craig, I personally do not think that in the 2024 election, America will go for a woman president. In time, yes, but not now. You know, there was plenty of controversy Wednesday night when different candidates spoke up. And uh, one of those candidates that is always controversial anytime you put him in a GOP setting was Governor Chris Christie. What do you think of his performance Wednesday night? Well, I know some will not like this, but Governor Chris Christie brought up some very good points regarding his New Jersey governorship, as in his being a successful Republican governor in a decidedly blue state, and did so right to the point and direct. 
Christie also stood strong in his position, along with Asa Hutchinson, that if Trump is the nominee and is convicted of any of the charges being levied against him, that he will not support nor vote for him if he gets the Republican nomination. And while I, at times, go back and forth regarding that scenario, I always keep the unmitigated disaster that is Joe Biden in the forefront of my mind. Simply, I respect Chris Christie for standing strong in his beliefs and not backing down, even when receiving boos and heckling from the Trump-infused audience. Now, for former VP Mike Pence, the man who could have stopped the disaster that is Biden-Harris, but didn't. To me, he remains a traitor, as I see it, to President Trump, we the people, and America as well. No need to rehash my wives here. Folks, you can just go to my article, Traitor, Thy Name is Mike Pence, to read about that. But where Pence completely lost me was during his opening remarks, where he made a point of saying that, quote, I gave my life to Jesus. I personally don't care what any candidate's religion is, nor whether they're religious at all. But I do care that when you're running for president of these United States, to give in your opening statement that your religion is above all else is nothing but pandering to the evangelical voters, probably the only people that will vote for him after his basically hanging Trump out to dry. Mike Pence will never get my vote, period. Now for Senator Tim Scott, who would, in my opinion, make a great vice president. And everything he said the other night was right on point and well presented. Senator Scott is a classic example of the American dream come to life and is an example that should be well noted. Tim Scott went from poverty to the U.S. Senate through hard work, dedication, and love of country, things seemingly put on the back burner today. Tim Scott's Senate experience and conservative voting record would be more effective as vice president than as president. Why? You have to remember, the vice president is the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. However, with the Senate usually now voting strictly along party lines, Scott's vote is needed there more so than is his running for a nomination. He has to know he cannot win. Sixth and seventh, as for Governors H.R. Hutchinson and Doug Burgum, both seem like very nice gentlemen, respectful and low-key, yet still getting their points across. However, while both have been good for their states, I think both are way out of their league in running for president. And, Craig, I suspect both will soon drop out of the race. You know, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. I, I just can't see them garnering enough of a national movement or enough national momentum to keep them in this thing, uh, you know, all the, all the way to primary day. I, I just, it's tough for me to see that. Now, you said you would get to Ron DeSantis in a bit. Is it time to get to Governor Ron DeSantis? It sure is. Okay. And folks know, 
while I will vote for President Trump if he gets the nomination, Ron DeSantis is my choice for both the nomination and the presidency. Why? Because my Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, is a no-nonsense governor who gets the job done without all the fanfare that usually is the signature of those holding public office. DeSantis was given but a mere 10 minutes out of the entire two-hour debate to speak, hence being the least called upon candidate, which I believe was done on purpose by the in the bag for Trump Ramaswamy Fox moderators. Still, these statements given by the governor for me were extremely powerful. First was his warning that, quote, America might never recover from another four years of a Biden presidency and that America might never recover. Oh, I'm sorry. America might never recover from another four years of a Biden presidency and that our country is in decline, but that the decline is not inevitable, that it's a choice. And folks, it really is our choice, as we can only successfully vote Biden out. Remember, the voter fraud will be 10 times worse than in 2020 by nominating and standing united behind the right candidate who puts America, not themselves, first. I also was very impressed with Governor DeSantis' comment about taking down, as in his leaving, quote, stone cold dead the drug cartel smugglers coming across our border who are killing tens of thousands of american citizens coupled with his statement about sending our military to clean out their operations even if it means crossing the border to do so you know the democrats will never do it the other candidates have said nothing about doing what needs to be done only former navy officer get the mission done proven successful governor, and hopefully to be president, Ron DeSantis will. Also, DeSantis clearly stated that under his administration, America's schools will be about education, not indoctrination. It cannot be said more clearly stated than that. And no other candidate broached the subject of what is the force down our kids' throats, liberal untruths, and woke indoctrination with such fervor and passion as did Ron DeSantis. Now, lastly, as to Wednesday night's biggest losers, to me, that dubious honor goes to debate moderators Martha McCallum, and Brett Baer, who willingly allowed Mike Pence and Trump Schill and I believe Plant, Vivek Ramaswamy, to not only dominate the conversation, but take over and dictate the conversation, hence the debate itself. McCallum and Baer should be ashamed of themselves for their overt bias against Governor DeSantis and their favoritism for the aforementioned candidates and, in my opinion, should not be allowed to moderate another presidential debate ever. Case closed. Okay, so I think I think I probably agree with you on about somewhere between 90 and 95% of what you said. Okay. You know, there's a couple of things. First of all, I have absolutely no respect for, for Chris Christie. None. I, I just... 
I just don't like the guy. I never have. Um, you know, I it, it, there's a whole lot that just irks me about that guy. Um, I I just can't believe a word he says. I, it's something about him. I just can't. I just can't respect the guy. Oh no, I I agree with you on that because what goes through my mind all the time is that you know photo op of him running up and hugging Obama after yeah. that you know hurricane hit New Jersey. But what people do forget, I mean, I would never vote for him either. But what people do forget is New Jersey is a decidedly blue state, and. Christie has always been a Republican, and as a Republican, he became the governor of a solid blue state. I have to give him the credit for that. Well, I and I see where you're going with that, and I understand what you're saying, but to me, and this is just me, you know, um, he, he won that job by being more more. Democrat than Republican, more to the left than conservative. Um, and, you know, if you ask him, he'll be the first one to tell you what a great job, you know, he did as governor of New Jersey. But if you look at the numbers, he left office with a 14% approval rating. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. I, I understand that. But also, to be a Republican, you do not have to be a conservative. No, I never you said that. You know that as well yeah. as I do. Yeah, I never said that. But I mean, you know, you yes, know, here you I am. Here I am, a Republican, and I get, you know, I get elected in a deep blue state. Well, maybe that's because as a Republican, you were a little left to center. That could be. I mean, you know? I don't know, um, you know, about that campaign. You yeah, know, because at, nobody at all, really. I wasn't up there. You know, I don't know, but I, excuse me, do know that people who were there said that he ran as a Republican. I can only, you know, go right. by secondhand information. Sure. Um, sure. And I mean, but it's I just... do admire him. I don't agree with his position about not voting for Trump if he gets the nomination because. You know, people have to realize you have to vote for Trump if he gets the nomination. Um, but I do, you know, respect him standing strong in his convictions. He was booed and heckled, and yet he stood strong. And for that, I respect him. Takes a mighty wind to blow an oak tree that size over. <laughs> you know? I don't pick on people's appearance. I, well, I, I, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. He he's he's been in that position before. This is yeah. not his first run at the presidency. And certainly no, he was second. in and certainly he was in that position when he ran for governor, you know, where people would show up and boo him and heckle him. So right. you know, I mean uh and, and it's it's just a minor difference of opinion you know, the way you feel about him uh, compared to the way I feel about him. So yeah, and you know that's, that's fine. Yeah, and, and you know that's one of those things. Now, Doug Burgum, he is the uh, he's the governor up in North Dakota, very mm -hmm. sparsely populated state. He you know made mention of the fact he's from uh, a town of three hundred. Right. I just don't see him or Asa Hutchinson, for that matter, having the kind of backbone it would take to become the leader of the free world. 
That's why I said chances are over the next few weeks they're going to drop out. I yeah, I really I really feel like that's a distinct possibility. I think they're both very nice people. Yes. Um and, and I think you know, I I don't really know much about Asa Hutchinson um and his time as governor. Doug Burgum is one state away from me. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I've got, I got South Dakota as a buffer. Um but I do, I do hear from time to time things that Bergham has done up in South Dakota, and I think he's, I think he's been a very good governor in South Dakota. And let's face it, the Canadians are not pouring over the border into North Dakota, so he's got that border under control. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> that's that's so but, you know. Well, but but funny. you know, it is, but. You know, you, okay, so you see that, right? And now put him in the White House, and he's in charge of border policy for the southern border. I don't think what he did, you know, what he's done in North Dakota really is preparatory for what he's going to have to deal with if he if he gets the Oval Office. Yeah. No, I mean, no, neither one of them is presidential. Yeah. Material and if the the candidates that night who remotely seemed presidential to me, there were only three of them. Yeah, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott. Right now, that's it. I, I want to bring up something about Ron DeSantis. I, I want to bring it up in relation to what you put uh, in your op-ed. Okay. Um, and that is, you know, when he said uh, America's schools will be about education, not indoctrination. Yes. I thought, personally, that was one of the strongest lines of the night. And what he did there was he put the Department of Education on notice. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's t- taken the woke nonsense out of Florida schools. Is it out completely? In every county at this point, no. But it's working their way. It's way there. Well, when when they identify it someplace, they take steps now to do right. away with it. There's you know? no drag queen story hours and any of that nonsense. The pronoun garbage is gone. Um, critical race theory is out the door. I mean, this man... How are kids going to get by in the state of Florida if they don't have a fairy godmother that looks like a dude reading them fairy tales? I, I, you know, but I don't know. Somehow DeSantis is making it work, you know? Yeah, he is. And I was totally shocked when I was watching uh, Brett Bear at 6 o'clock. And they were reporting on the fundraising for the eight candidates after the debate. Right. And Ron DeSantis, who only got 10 minutes speaking time, beat them all. That's, he, within that's, the first that's phenomenal. Hour, let me finish. I'm just saying, he, that's within, phenomenal. Yes. Within the first hour, he raised over a million dollars. Okay. The closest one was who we call Swami. Not as any insult meant, but because his name is very long. It is. Um, 
he raised uh, in the low 600s and the others went down from there. And not only that, which I was blown away by, apparently there were some polls done in Iowa after the debate. And Ron DeSantis was voted the best candidate during the debate. And why? People saw through the moderators that they deliberately didn't call on him because he is Trump's biggest opposition. And also because the people interviewed said, no matter what the others said, they were just reading remarks, prepared remarks. DeSantis looked presidential, he spoke presidential, and he came across as no nonsense. So, with that in mind, you could forget Ron DeSantis ever dropping out of this race. I I agree. And a lot of them said, we don't believe the polls this far out. Just something I have been saying since day one. Well, and and, in the minute or so that we've got left in, in this segment, let me just say about Iowa. When they do polls like this, the, the Iowa voters seem pretty normal. But when the Iowa caucus comes around, mm-hmm. they, they're nuts. <laughs> I, I mean, I, don't, I just don't know how else to explain it. I, I don't know what's in the water that they serve at the Iowa caucus, but those Iowa voters go crazy at the Iowa caucus. You never really know what the Iowa voters are going to do on the caucus. And then they straighten out again in time for the general election. So, yeah, I, you know, it's it's just kind of an oddity. Folks, I'm, I'm even going to make a prediction here. Polls withstanding, I understand Trump's numbers go up with every indictment and everything that happens to him, and we will get into that in a bit. The thing that I just feel uh, I have no reason but I think that in the end, Ron DeSantis is going to be the nominee. Okay. We're going to hold you to that. Okay. I could, if gonna, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We're gonna, and I we're vote gonna, for Trump. Right. right. I mean, we're, you know, and I think it probably comes as quite a shock to uh, to our listeners that uh, that you're pulling for Ron DeSantis. No, it doesn't come as a shock. <laughs> um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. We've got a long ways to go. Yes, and, we have a uh, year, folks. That's why these polls are, you know, don't take any of them seriously a year out. Because remember, let me just leave with this. When Hillary ran against Obama for the nomination, remember every single poll, every single media outlet, not only said she's this far ahead and that far ahead and she's going to be the first woman president. Well, when it came to the nomination, Obama basically creamed her. That's true. That's okay. true. That's why you can't believe polls this far out. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to believe them, but don't hang your hat on them. You know, right. I Remember, mean, she was predicted to, to be Trump in 2012, and she didn't. That's right. That's right. So, you know, take take the polls with a grain of salt at this point and keep an eye on it. 
stay engaged, and uh, we'll see what happens. Diane's op-ed and anything but debate can be found at her blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or at rspradio1.com. Either way, you can go grab her recap and anything but debate and read it for yourself and hang on to it, and we'll see as time moves on how close Diane comes. Yes. <laughs> okay? And and we're going to take a break here, and then I'm going to give you my recap, okay? And we'll ask you to do the same thing. Kind of hang on to both of these articles and refer back to them as we get closer and closer and closer to the primaries, and we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. We've got plenty more to come for you on Right Side Patriots, so stay with us. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Getting you through the Friday night edition of the show, and if you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click that podcast button, and uh, these two recaps of the first debate for 2024 will be there ready and waiting for you. Yes. All right, so Diane presented her take uh, on last Wednesday's debate. She and I watched the same debate. We did not talk about how we were going to put it together or what we were going to say in these two respective pieces. So let's see if we watched the same debate. (laughs) Okay, Under the title, A Broken Debate and How to Fix It. 
Now, what transpired in Milwaukee on Wednesday night wasn't a serious political debate. It was an exercise in futility, and with 10 points, I'm about to tell you why in this recap. First of all, when the criteria to qualify for the debate was how much money a candidate has raised, the entire premise for the debate is bogus. While polling this far out is suspect at best, the criteria for debate qualification should be weighted on how candidates are faring in straw polls or what each candidate brings to the table based on statements made to the press or maybe during a previous run for office. But money raised? That's the weakest reason to be taken seriously, and it is therefore bogus in my opinion. Second, of the eight people on that stage, only four honestly deserve to be there. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, and possibly Mike Pence. And I say Pence only because he was the VP for four years. Other than those four, three of the last four seem to be sucking around for social media likes. And the fourth, Chris Christie, comes across as desperately seeking long-ago-lost relevance. Third, when you put eight candidates on a debate stage, there is no way you can possibly go deep on any topic important to the voters. Nothing of substance can be uttered on the important issues in 30 to 45 seconds. Rather than substance, what you tend to get is sound bites. And Diane Forth... Unfortunately, Fox did a lousy job of holding a debate. If it was substance, they were hoping to impart on the voters. Now, since the design was obviously soundbite-driven, it was a ratings-based debate, not a serious political debate. By allowing the candidates to go at each other on stage, Fox generated an endless amount of soundbites, which they've used ad nauseum for the past two days, since the debate well now you're up to uh ramaswamy or swami as craig and i call right Uh, (laughs) and like i said in in my piece he just dominated everything annoying obnoxious etc but you also have some very good reasons for why this man is not right to be on that stage or even running, in my opinion. Well, and apparently in my opinion, too. Mm -hmm. So let's go with number five. Ramaswamy dominated the soundbite extravaganza for all the wrong reasons. The guy's 38 years old and has only voted in two presidential elections, and he's proud that he didn't give enough of a crap to take part in electing our leader until it was of interest to him. He came across as a rank amateur. Not that it matters politically so much, but because he sounded like an 18-year-old kid with pie-in-the-sky ideologies who thinks having the whitest teeth is a qualification for the Oval Office. (laughs) It was obvious that his goal was to talk louder and faster than anybody else so as to garner the most attention even though his strategies seem to be in conflict with one another throughout. 
Sixth, there was an insane competition between Christie and Ramaswamy to see who could possibly be the biggest hypocrite on that stage. At one point, Christie took a swing at Ramaswamy by accusing Ramaswamy of being as bad as Obama. But when Obama went to New Jersey in the wake of Hurricane Sandy, it was Christie who embraced Obama and then walked across the tarmac with his arm around Obama like a loving couple strolling on the beach. Then there was that soundbite moment when Ramaswamy announced that he was the only person on that stage that wasn't bought and paid for. That's rich, coming from a guy who took $90,000 from a Soros Family Foundation in the form of a grant when he was sitting there at Yale Law School with over $2 million in his own bank account. Diane 7th, there was Mike Pence, and Pence's pandering to the holier-than-thous for their votes. There was a guy who claims to be all about the Constitution, but obviously puts what he swears an oath on above what he swears an oath to. Pence claimed that his... Uh, that he chose the Constitution on January 6th over any alternative in what can only be described as the most self-righteous moment of last Wednesday night's debate. Now, I'm pretty sure the Constitution does not say that regardless of the circumstances, the VP must immediately certify election results while challenges to the election are being made. However, I am pretty sure that the Constitution allows for the right and moral obligation to send things back to state electors for further evaluation of investigation should said election be in the process of being challenged. Yeah, well, you know, when you think about it, Pence is just a sickening character altogether and... um, There is, I think, something else you can say about him, and especially, there were really only two or three legitimate candidates up on that stage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really agree with you there. Pence, look should not have been on that stage. And he has absolutely no business claiming any moral high ground. Eighth, in my opinion, there were only two legitimate presidential candidates on that stage, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Burgum is in way over his head. Christie is a rhino's rhino. Hutchinson is at best to go along to get along Republican that lacks a strong enough backbone to take a tough stand to make things happen to save our country. Tim Scott needs more experience and would make a great VP choice until he's more seasoned. Pence is a Washington establishment puppet, and Ramaswamy is a potted plant. (laughs) The only real substance from that debate came from DeSantis and Haley, but unfortunately it was lost in the War of Soundbites. Ninth, Trump won that debate by not even bothering to show up. And how can I say that? Well, because between Wednesday night and Thursday morning, Trump's interview on Twitter with Tucker Carlson garnered nearly 150 million views. 
And all those Wednesday night sound bites were obsolete by Thursday afternoon when Trump turned himself in in Fulton County, Georgia. Not that Trump did much in that interview other than talk about himself, but he sucked the air out of the debate room anyway because, like him or not, he's leading the pack in the court of public opinion. Sad but nonetheless true is the fact that Trump's mugshot from Fulton County, Georgia, will have more of an impact on the run-up to the 2024 GOP election than any soundbite bumper sticker generated on that stage Wednesday night. And finally, 10th, I want substance from the next debate, and to get it, I have a plan that will never be adopted. Rather than pulling eight or more candidates onto a stage based on how much money they've raised for their campaign coffers, put all of the candidates in individual rooms with a TV camera in each room. Diane, what I'm thinking is come up with 20 questions regarding issues of substance that voters want to hear about and ask the exact same question in the exact same way to each one of the candidates one at a time without allowing any candidate to hear any other candidate's answer and then give each candidate three minutes to answer each question. Well, first I want to say something about the numbers that tuned in to listen to President Trump. Basically, what they're claiming is that half the country tuned in to watch Trump. I think the numbers are a bit exaggerated. Well, and I can and I can tell you how those numbers get exaggerated. Okay, on on Twitter, you're you're looking at views, right? right. So so let's say. Mary Jones views five minutes of the debate and then goes and does something else, comes back, or not not the debate, but Trump, comes back, opens up Twitter again, and views a few more minutes and goes away. Okay, and so on and so forth. She might account for three, four, five, six, ten, twenty views of that. Very true. Very true, because there's no way that half the country watch because i don't believe half the country has twitter <laughs> you know and yeah I don't, I don't know what the twitter numbers are but that's how you get those inflated numbers so uh, i agree with okay. you 100 percent on that okay 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 now go ahead no i was just gonna say tell us your solution uh, and the one point i do want to say um about the 20 questions and all that. One of your solutions was what I suggested for the debate itself. Well, yeah, and it's it's one that I actually suggested to you earlier. You know, we're both thinking along the same lines here. Look, any yeah. candidate that chooses not to be a part of it would be represented by an empty chair which would be on camera for three minutes of silence after the question is posed. Now, here's what that would do. That would put an end to the finger-pointing, the back-and-forth bickering, the grandstanding, and trying to talk over and above any other candidate. It would also provide clear policy answers to be provided by each candidate and provide voters with a clear understanding of where the candidates stand on the issues. 
how they intend to solve the nation's woes, and how, if elected, they would enhance the standard of living for each and every American citizen. The last thing American voters need as we head into what is surely the most important election in our nation's history, and obviously the most bizarre run-up to the primaries in our nation's history, is another debate stage circus, the likes of which we just witnessed on Wednesday night. Let the candidates give direct answers to direct questions without the sideshow antics so that the voters can be informed and thus choose wisely. Okay, I want to say one thing about your empty chair. Since we both, you know, are big proponents of that, I said it should have been uh, on the stage Wednesday night. Right. Can you imagine a candidate like Ramaswamy actually keeping his mouth shut for three solid minutes? I no. can't. He no. would. He would, you know, interrupt the three minutes of silence. Absolutely, he would. That's why I'm saying you put each one of them in a separate room with a camera, and they can't hear what the other person is saying. Okay? okay. So they can't they can't go, oh, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, and talk over the top of them. Mm-hmm. They, all they can do is answer the question. And their mic, I, and I should have put this in there, but I would suggest their mics be shut off when they're not the one answering the question. Well, did you also... I I, I get that, and that's a good idea. But something that just popped into my head about Wednesday's night, uh, Wednesday night's debate. Did you notice when Pence and Ramaswamy talked and the bells went off, neither Martha McCallum or Brett Baer stopped them? They just let it go on and on and on until the other candidates popped in and said, hey. Yeah, and that that's part of my big problem with with the way Fox handled that debate. They lost control of it at the very beginning and never did anything to get it back. Well, here's a solution. The, the mics that are on stage, they should be set to a timer. Let the mics automatically shut off at the three minutes, two minutes, whatever time they're allotted. Well, again, can you imagine Ramaswamy and his mic goes off? He'd jump over to the next podium and start screaming into that one. That's true. He's, <laughs> ju- he's just an unmitigated disaster. He's he's a reincarnation of Obama, and I don't know about you, but I had enough of that. Well, I've had more than enough of that. You know, Ramaswamy, to me, it it, it, it was interesting when he and Nikki Haley got into it. Mm-hmm. Because you know, on foreign policy, because Nikki Haley owns foreign policy. Absolutely. Between, you know, between those two, he sounded like uh, an eighteen-year-old kid running for class president, and his grasp of foreign policy seems like he got it off of Facebook posts. He probably did. Remember, this guy voted when he first got his voting uh, privileges. He voted for a third party unknown for president. Right. Now, there are rumors going around. Okay, he admits, he says he voted for Trump in 2020. Ah, whether I believe that, I don't know. 
But there are a number of posts going around the Internet that he voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I don't know if that's true, folks. I don't think it is because he's he's been very he, he almost braggingly proud of the fact that he did not vote but twice for president leading up to well, this. Well, twice for president means oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But he admitted, wait a minute. He admitted he only voted for Trump in 2020. So if he only voted twice for president in 16 and 20, and he admits he voted for Trump in 20, that leaves Hillary that he voted for in 16. Well, except for that third party guy. That was way back in 2008. Well, so maybe he voted three times. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but it's a pretty sad record. You know, two, two times, three times. It's a pretty sad record. Well, your your comment that he only started taking, you know, he only started voting for president when he took an interest in it. Really? That was his. At 38 years old, you're finally deciding to take an interest in who the president of your country is? Well, I and mean, remember, folks, this guy, I don't care what anybody says, he's an anchor baby. That's that's very true. Uh, you know, he, he claims that the first presidential election that interested him. Right. Or the first candidate that he found interesting enough to vote for was Trump. I mean, that's that's what he said. I, I, I you know, I, I don't know how that squares with what he officially did. I'm just telling you what he said. Right, and I and the problem with Ramaswamy is different sites are reporting different things about him. Well, and, and, and that's that because I don't send up red flags right there. I think part I really of the reason for that was put in the race in this race as a spoiler. It, it that's it's kind of why I called him a potted plant, you know. Yeah. Um, I it wouldn't surprise me he gives different responses to different interviewers, mm-hmm. but it, even if they ask the same question, uh, I kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about here. He says the reason he took the money from the Soros Family Foundation was because. He just didn't have the money for law school at at that age. Okay, for Yale Law School. But the fact of the matter is he had two million dollars in the bank. He's a snake oil salesman. There's no other way to put it. I mean I you know, so you know, at at one point he says I you know, I was a poor struggling Yale college law school student. And at another point yeah, by the time I was that age, I had $2 million. And, and this bank right. account shows he had $2 million. So, right. Uh, so in, he, he's a liar. The guy is a pathological liar, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, he's going to say whatever he needs to say to appeal to whoever's in front of him at the moment. Right. Okay. Um, now, you know, we both brought up Pence and... You know, I I said that, you know, to me, he's a guy who takes more seriously what he swears an oath on than what he swears it to. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, uh, you know, I I mentioned the holier, pandering to the holier than thou's. But I got to tell you one thing that kind of disturbs me a little bit is there was a couple of moments in the debate 
where I thought, and, and this is just, just my terminology for it, I thought he and Tim Scott were trying to out-Jesus each other. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking. I know exactly what you're talking about, and and I agree with you. But, Craig, I'd like to say something on a different subject in our last few minutes, and I'm right. sure you're not going to bind. Okay, go ahead. Okay. The absolute abomination that went on in Fulton County yesterday oh. with President Trump should make every single American angry. Whether you support him currently, whether you will support him if he gets a nomination, if you don't support him at all, you have to understand that what went on there was not only hurtful to him, but it hurt our country. That woman, that AG, or whatever she is, DA, whatever, that woman should be brought up on charges herself. Because she, what she did was a single-person witch hunt. And it absolutely broke my heart when I saw him having to walk in there, get fingerprinted, photographed, etc. This was a man who was president of the United States and could be president again. How dare that bastard treat him like she did? Well, I mean, this is this is kind of the liberal line, right? I mean, this is what they want to do. They want to they want to make an example out of a guy who actually didn't break a law. And how I mean, about I, the guy that created more jobs for black Americans than any president in history? Well, yeah, that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it really, meet you know, their agenda. Let's let's not bog things down with the facts. You yeah, know? that's true. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I agree with you. It was one hundred percent ridiculous. However, uh, today the Trump merchandise uh, with the mugshot on it is for sale. That I don't agree with. I I don't agree with that for one reason and one reason only. Here it is yesterday. I'm sure every Republican's heart was just ripped out. And then to have him capitalizing on that, I I don't really agree with that. I, I, I understand it. I understand why he's doing it. But I personally do not agree with that. I, I I kind of run hot and cold on it, but for the most part, I think it's fine. Um, you're gonna you you know you're a liberal, and you know you're part of the liberal media. You're you're part of this liberal Soros DA system that's been set up. You know, mm-hmm. and boy, I'll tell you what, they took that mugshot, and three minutes later, they had that mugshot out in public. I put it up on Facebook, and I had people, one man in particular, saying to me, that's Photoshopped. Who do you think you are putting that up? Well, it turned out that I did get the photo right away. It's nobody's business how. And the next, and this morning, 
that exact photo was in the New York well, Post as, as their main post. Right, right. But that my, shows you the liberal mentality. Yes, but my point is, they put that out there for poli- purely political reasons. Right. They, they rushed that mugshot to get it out in public. Okay? Yes. So if I'm, if I'm Donald Trump, and that's my mugshot, and they're going to be in such a rush to make a political killing with it, then screw them, so am I. You know why I don't agree with it? It's not. I, I understand why he did it, and it's his choice to do it. I get it, but it kind of, I don't know, puts a little a, a downer, for lack of a better word, on the office of the presidency. I, I don't know how much lower you could go than what these liberals have done. I really don't. I mean, whether it's what they're doing to uh, Trump or the idiot they've got behind the resolute desk right now, I don't know how much further you can degrade the office right. of the presidency. And if that's my mugshot and I'm President Trump and they rush that out for political reasons, well, then by golly, I'm going to use it for my own political reasons because I know I can raise money off it, and that's what he's doing. So I, I, I really don't have a problem with it. We're out of time, but I, I just got to mention here, you can get my commentary, A Broken Debate and How to Fix It, two places, thenationalpatriot.com and rspradio1.com. Here's the easy way to do it, folks. Save yourselves the hassle. Go to rspradio1.com. The links to both these articles are there. So you can grab them both from the same spot and then hang on to them. And we'll see as we move through this whole thing how close we came to figuring it out after one debate. I think we're going to come pretty close. (laughs) I, I think so. It's like I said, we arrive at basically the same conclusions we just chose a different path on how to get to them. Exactly. You know, but that's our take. There'll be another debate coming up. I think it's in September, late September, or is it October? September 27th, I believe. Correct. And and it's in uh, the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California, and it's all business. Yep. So we'll see how that works out. Yes. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> There's yeah. it's this thing's gonna get wild and woolly as we get closer and closer to voting. Absolutely. With that, well, Diane, with that, we're out of time. I, yeah, and with that, we'll say nighty night, folks. Have yourselves a great weekend, folks, and we'll catch up with you again on Tuesday. Bye bye. <laughs>